Okay. <clears throat> this has been a theme on so many calls lately. I am so freaking pumped to deliver this talk. Okay. So let me ask you a question to kick us off. Tell me in the chat, what did you think as soon as you heard the topic of today's call? What were your first thoughts upon hearing about today's topic? Prioritizing ourselves trickles down to everyone and everything. Tell me in the chat, what did that mean for you? I need this, someone said, yeah. I, in all different capacities, heard this all week long. Straight up facts. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest. I'm not saying it's simple, but truly it trickles on down. Basically exactly what we talked about yesterday. Yeah, when I tell you that the last few days, like my calls have been exclusively about this, that I couldn't wait to do this call because I had basically repeated myself, which is fine. I, I, great. It's a lesson that's needed, you know, that I get and relate to so much that I could not wait to condense it into a recordable chat to have everyone be able to reflect on. So um, in the chat, I said, thought about the quote, put your own mask on before helping others. Yeah. You know, when the plane's going down and the friggin' oxygen mask comes down, they tell you to put it on yourself, even instead of putting it on a kid or something. Why? You can't help other people if you're, you know, friggin' knocked out because you don't got air. Like, come on. So hard work, but that's so weird. Hard work, but so important and needed. My first thought is we can't be our best in our, we can't be our best in our job, relationship, et cetera, if we aren't prioritizing ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, not only that, but when you have an illness that is directly impacted by stress and there's, we just live in a, in a world full of unavoidable stress, it can't be that we're not doing everything we can to mitigate the effects of that. There's a certain level of stress we can't get rid of. But that being said, everything else in your life should be as stress-free and streamlined as possible to make it easier to deal with the things that we have no choice but to deal with. And I think that it becomes so easy to do the opposite and think that any additional work, quote unquote, is that we're putting into something is additional work that we don't, we can't be doing for some reason. And we think of it as like for, we don't even think of prioritizing ourselves. We immediately put ourselves in last. And I've heard every reason under the sun why it feels feasible in the moment to do that. But it all leads back to the same theme. The same problem is that it screws us in the end. So why can't we have the best of both worlds? Why can't we be prioritizing ourselves, doing what we got to do? and not have anybody mad, disappointed, or judging us, you know? And there, to some degree, you know, even the Beatles had people who hated them. So they did fine, right? So some people, just no matter what, they're not going to like your boundaries or you're prioritizing yourself, but like tough shit, <laughs> you know? I'm just here to help you guys not feel so bad about that because no one deserves to be put out for no good reason. So let's get into it. All right. When I jotted these notes down, I was really charged up. And my own like neurodivergency is it takes a lot of work to <clears throat> soften things sometimes for me. I can be very like to the point and blunt. Um, so when I write my notes, I try to be that way so that I can then embellish it as I talk with you guys about it. That's why I include the chat. 
I was writing these notes and I was getting keyed up. <laughs> so these notes are probably a little more aggro than I would like for them to be. But I, th- I don't think it makes it any less true. So let's get into it. All I wrote at the top here in my notes is here are my problems. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to list out the priority, the priority issues that I that I hear the most frequently. Number one. We think we can only do it, meaning prioritize ourselves, when there is zero turmoil in our lives. I I love when I hear somebody tell me that the shit's hitting the fan and this is the time that they're choosing, well, not, they don't think they're choosing, but inadvertently choosing, that this is the time that they're choosing to let everything else fall to the wayside and how they're taking care of themselves. And I'm like, you, you wouldn't want like you, you wouldn't want to be preparing for like a, a 10K in the desert and be like, I don't have time for water. Right. Like it's kind of an important part of how you're going to get through that. So I see that all the time. Times of turmoil is I, I just said this literally when we need to be rested and not ill. Um, some of the unhealthiest. Here's another one. Some of the unhealthiest or unhappiest people, even if we love them are the ones teaching us that it's bad to prioritize ourselves. Yet we aspire to work, quote unquote, just as hard as they do, even if we don't want the results that they've gotten in their lives. Even if we can distinguish and say, like, I think of parents a lot with this. I can't tell you how many clients I have who are like, my mom or my dad just never stopped. They were just go, go, go. And, you know, like the house was always clean. Everything was always in order. But then I ask them, How healthy is your mom now? Health's not great. How happy were they? Well, I don't know. I I never knew if they were happy or not. I assumed they were happy because they were just go, go, going all the time. Do happy people typically just keep themselves constantly busy at all times of the day because they can't rest? Or is there something else that's driving that? That's not something to aspire to necessarily, right? But it's hard to think of that, especially if it's some, or, or a boss. A boss, maybe they do have the results that you want. They work their ass off. They're in this position, right? And we see them, you know, taking on everything they can and working really hard and stuff. So we we try to hitch our wagon to that, but not realizing that maybe their home life is falling apart. Maybe their spouse can't stand them. You know, maybe they have not gotten to a doctor's appointment in the past two years because they haven't been able to take off. Like there is a lot behind what we think of as, like a good example of, of like being hardworking and selfless. They're not healthy examples. A lot of times everything's got a fine print, you know? So, um, another one I see, Oh God, this one, this is where I started getting keyed up. (laughs) So quote unquote, I just had to focus on getting through. I didn't have enough time to think about it. I understand this because again, like I'm not, I'm not saying that anything I'm calling out is not understandable or that it's easy or something you just turn off. I'm just calling out that these are the things that when it's told back to us, we're like, that doesn't make sense, but we say it and do it all the time. I used to be the same. You know, I just had, I had no time. I I was going through a lot. I was always on, you know, I was doing this and I was doing that and I had to do this and that. and, And I'm like, okay, yeah, but like you still ate, right? You still slept. You, you know, you, so the point is like, why should those things not be conducive for you being in your best, best fighting form when there's a battle at hand, you know? So here are the numbers I wrote as, as a, as an elaboration on that last point there that I didn't have the time, right? 
<laughs> well, what did I write here? No, you just told yourself that that's what's best because that was the easiest way to handle a hard situation. Even though it would have been easier if one, you didn't feel like shit. Two, if you use the support you have here to learn how to be better during tough times rather than the same level of just get through that you've only ever known. Three, the time you spent doing the shit that made it harder to get through for you and your family, you could have spent not doing that, but you told yourself you needed to come last and that that was somehow easier. So that's a little tough talk there. Tell me, I want to read these comments in the chat, but tell me your thoughts as you're hearing this. Um, because I was like calling myself out in the past too. Like this, like I said, I'm not above this. So tell me what you think as you're hearing this in the chat. My first thought is, oh, wait, I read that right. Uh, my mom always had to have the house super clean and be working on something and doing something for everyone. And now she's in her fifties with tons of health problems. Mm-hmm. And older generations too, like not for nothing, I'm not saying this was everyone, but you know how many doctors were giving people pills and shit to like get, help them have energy to just do things all day long? Like, obviously we learned that that's not, that's not what we should be doing, right? But back in the day, we just thought it was a little, you know, like, what was it called? Like mommy's little helper or whatever. Really messed up the history of that. If you ever want to look into something really disturbing, but like there's always been fine print all along. It's not that we're less than because we can't simply figure out how to get to work on time, work eight hours a day, take care of a family, keep the house clean, keep everyone clothed, keep everyone entertained, keep everyone fed, keep ourselves cleaned and clothed ourselves because we get, you know, got to keep this going, right? Why can't we just do it all? No one could do it all. <laughs> There's always a fine print. <clears throat> Hold on. <clears throat> Choking on spit happens at least once a day <clears throat> and now I've met my quota if that happens to you breathe through your nose <clears throat> it usually helps <clears throat> so there's always been a fine print no one's been able to do everything it's just something we've told ourselves to make ourselves <clears throat> feel bad enough to keep doing it so <clears throat> this is so annoying <clears throat> Um, I think the people we mirror or take advice from aren't always the best options when you really start evaluating what their definition of happy is. Absolutely. Or even when we start to define what their definition of happy is compared to what our definition of happy is. It's okay to have two different definitions. There's, you know, we are so rigid as human beings. We think there is only one way to enjoy things, feel things, do things. And there are an infinite amount of ways. Human beings, like we are even... I know this is saying a lot, but like we're all at, we're intelligent creatures. It, we've evolved to the point we have in, in everything that we have. And I think that that just shows our capacity to continue to do that. So why do we stunt ourselves in our everyday life? Why can't we have it all? We can't deal with putting out fires and chaos and all that and also have some sanity retained for ourselves. Why is that? That, that doesn't take a lot of time. It just seems insurmountable. But why is that? So that's what we're here to learn. How do I easily incorporate prioritizing myself where I don't feel like I'm taking time away from my family or, or causing a worse situation to happen while still like valuing what I need, knowing that that's so important to everybody I care about as well. 
It's not easy. It's a different, you know, we've been taught to people please, but in the, in the end, if we're screwing ourselves and we're moody all the time, we're exhausted all the time, we're freaking out at people, we can't remember things, we're miserable. Like, are we really doing things for them? Because we're the people they care about as well. And you would hate to see someone you care about going on like that. So let's see, got some chatter here in the chat. I have told myself so many times I'll start focusing on my health when everything is caught up, but that never really comes. There's no bottom of the pile. You'd either win the lottery and be you know wealthy for the rest of your life, and even then, um, or like you'd be dead. <laughs> but there, there is no bottom of the pile. Every day that we're alive, things get added to our pile. And how we handle that, let's quote unquote, revolving debt, let's say, of that of life never having a bottom of the pile is how happy we're going to be getting through the pile versus always being upset that there's never a bottom of the pile or always waiting for the bottom of the pile to happen before we can enjoy anything. So <clears throat> let's see. I was literally talking to my husband about putting my kids first all the time, but other people outside my family are not as important. And I all the time, but other people outside my family, not as important. And I think it's because I was not put first as a child. Absolutely. It is so difficult. Um, you know, if you're in a, especially if you're in a scapegoat golden child dynamic growing up where for some reason you were both relied on a lot, but also treated like the fuck up of the crew. Um, meanwhile, maybe someone else in your family was treated like everything they do is rainbows and sunshine and you just can't figure out why. Like you don't even have to have mean parents and that could be the case, you know, but scapegoat child, golden child, what really happens then is we are always trying to attain that first spot position our whole lives. So we get used to putting ourselves second to shine in the eyes of the people who don't notice us and or as much, even if it's not a lot. So that programming carries over into adulthood where then we're trying to prove our worth to people all the time. We're trying to do more than we even have to at work. You know, we're trying, we're saying no to things that, you know, people wouldn't even be upset about. I'm sorry. We're saying yes to things that people wouldn't even be that upset if we said no to, you know, like those are the ways that it carries into adulthood because you're just seeking that validation. Um, but also not putting yourself first in any kind of deserving way. Everything else feels more important because it's what was modeled. It's frustrating. Um, it's kind of like the boomers that are like, we did this and that, and we turned out fine when in fact they are not fine. I don't think anyone's fine. Like <laughs> nothing's fine. No one's fine. No one is where they need to be at. Totally cool. Totally. I, I really like, I would hope that no one, you know, I don't, I don't understand what people would want to be. If you've got nothing left to learn, that's a pretty dull existence for the rest of the time. You know, like if you've maxed out at the best you could ever be at a young age, like, you know, like I turned out fine. Why be just fine? I want to turn out great and awesome, you know, but maybe they also turned out to not realize what's not so awesome. And that's how they get by. And that's a whole other thing. So, um, my husband and I call it protecting our peace. If we throw out that phrase, no questions asked, our answer is no. Yeah. There, there's no justification. No, no, none needed. You know, you are not speaking before the board. There is never, you know, and it, not to say that everyone will like it when you say no, but they don't have to. They could go to therapy if it perturbs them so much. 
you know? Every disappointment doesn't kill people. It makes me think of all the people who never take time off from work and end up being so burnt out because they think they have to do everything or it will get them promoted faster. Yeah. And even at home too. And in the end they get sick or make more mistakes because they are unhealthy and exhausted. I used to be like this. Absolutely. We don't even realize, like we start to think like I'm really good at crunch time, right? Like I do my best work at crunch time. You don't do your best work. You're just the most focused because you have no other time left. You're stressed, you're exhausted. You're probably not as sharp as you think you are. You just feel like you're getting something done. So you get the dopamine of getting it over with without the distraction of the of time, right? So we, who knows how much better you'd be if you weren't frazzled and stressed and tired and you know half potential because you haven't prioritized yourself. You know? Who's how much better do you think a 3 p.m. meeting is gonna be if your body has some friggin' sustenance and calories to go off of before it versus not? I talk about this all the time. My husband and I are obsessed with Naked and Afraid. We watch it every night, which is a weird nighttime show, but whatever. Um, and the biggest thing I keep seeing, I think of all of you guys as I'm watching this show, is that the the cognitive and physical decline that happens from not eating enough during the day. I think about all the time. I'm like, look at these people. They're freaking out because they haven't eaten for like, you know, all day. And like, I have clients who won't eat all day and they'll demand things of themselves like going to work and going to pick up kids and cooking and cleaning and all this shit. Why can't I do it all? I don't know, because you need energy to do it. You need you need fuel to do it. You know, if you, you've been running around all day, you didn't have time to eat. No, again, you wouldn't ha not have time for water before going doing a 10K in the desert, right? Even if it doesn't feel mandatory, it freaking is, you know? When my dad passed when I was five, my mom basically told me that I was now the dad of the family. Oh, wow. So I always make sure my family is happy and content before I focus on anything for myself. I'm so sorry that you got put into that emotional responsibility at such a young age because that is so parentifying like i mean literally you were called a dad like you were parentified you know and to deal with that while also dealing with grief i'm so sorry because i can't imagine how like lonely that must have felt but in no way would everybody have failed in life if you weren't the dad of the family so if ever you feel like if you aren't there making sure that everyone's doing well and feeling well, that something bad will happen to them, remember that we are all so much more resilient than we realize. And sometimes people don't realize their resiliency when they've had someone there doing everything for them before putting themselves first. Sometimes the best thing in the world is letting somebody have to take care of themselves more because it shows them what they're capable of and that they can do it if you're not around. And that it's not an easy lesson, but it's still an important one. And you deserve to just like, let go of that weight. You know, everybody's an adult responsible for their own lives, happiness, decisions, growth. You know, you can't, you can't edit that for someone as much as that's not the intention and out of love. So it's important. Um, I remember having a moment where I got kudos at work for working myself into the ground. Yep. Heard that. Restaurant culture, oh, for sure. I I have watched a freaking chef on a three-day bender cut his wrist before service and then cauterize his own wrist on a, on a skillet or a griddle. Work hard. Don't take a lunch break. 
all right, psychos, what? So um, I, I had horrible mono for three months because I refused to take time off work. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I eat too much, haha, <laughs> but it doesn't stop me. Dealing with that, that's a big thing. That's a different topic for a different day, but I, we need to do a Zoom on this. Eating too much, quote unquote. There is no too much. Um, look up. <clears throat> okay, if this happens again, I'd be so mad. <clears throat> Allergy season, it gets brutal. So look up the Minnesota starvation experiment. I've been talking about that so much this week too. The Minnesota starvation experiment. We are all born with the radar to know what's too much, what's too little, what's too what. Everything else fucks up that view for us. So we'll talk privately because I could talk about that all day. I love it. But that's an important thing to distinguish too. Is to feel like, well, I need to prioritize, you know, like maybe my relationship with food is the priority. My feelings around it, my confidence around feeding myself. Uh, we don't ever think that that needs to be the time that we need to take to stop and look at that. We think it's like the hard stuff, like don't eat carbs, eat protein, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes the hardest shit is having to dive in and just realize like our relationship with food makes it the most stressful. So definitely food for thought. Um, okay. So for the sake of time, I want to run through this and then I'll try to skim through the, the questions in here for anybody who wants to hang on. So, all right, here's a big one. When you don't prioritize your boundaries, your, your rest, your health, your illness, your happiness, your wants, where your limits are, when you don't prioritize that, what kind of mood are you typically in for the people you live with? What kind of you do they typically get to see and experience after? Because you think it's just you you're putting last. But when you've given of yourself all day long, when, when one, you don't have to. You, there's a ton of reasons why you might, but you don't really have to. Like, what kind of you do they get? It's not the you that you think you're pushing through to be. It's not the you that you think are making less problems for everyone to be. They get someone that you don't even like. They get someone that you wish was, you know, away and wasn't the way that you were. And that's not what your intention is. Your intention is the opposite, to just keep prioritizing other people to make them happy and make sure everyone's okay. And it ends up being the goal we screw ourselves out of. You know, how often do we not, here's another tough question, right? Guilty for sure in the past. How often do we not even vocalize what we're needing, then get mad at our loved ones for not seeing us, willingly run around like a chicken with our heads cut off for other people, and not just through osmosis, knowing what we need and providing it for us to make us feel better. How many times have you ran your ass off for other people all day long, or even screw it for your family themselves, right? But you haven't vocalized what you've needed at all. And you're sitting there and you're like, why can't they just know what, like, I got to think of everything. And they're just sitting there living this simple existence. Like they can't even think about this or do this or whatever. And it's just a culmination of your own resentment for why am I the one that has to do it all? Why are you? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it's a simple switch or simple choice. It's very difficult to prioritize ourselves because a lot of the things we realize are not serving us, we then need to change. And if we don't know how to change it and we're overwhelmed with everything else in our lives, 
trying for the first time in our life to learn how to prioritize ourselves or vocalize boundaries is going to feel so overwhelming that we put it to last. Who can relate to that? I said, I'm going to wait on the chat. I'm always, I always love talking with you guys, but I want to make sure this recording stays cohesive. So let's talk about speaking up and asserting boundaries because that's the most important thing, right? How many times does holding in a frustrating exchange or situation, how many times does that snowball? Would you say it's pretty common for one thing where you feel like you weren't considered or that you have to suck it up and bite your tongue and deal with it, take it on the chin, not vocalize it because it makes you selfish, right? How often does that snowball? All of the time, right? Every time, every time. It never stays one thing. And we get mad at ourselves. Like, why can't I just let it go? But before you know it, we are looking for examples of how we get the shit end of the deal and everything else throughout the day. And it all becomes, it adds up to this case. This We built this case that we're cursed and our life is shit and we have to struggle. And anybody else around us who's like blissfully unaware of this entire process happening in our head they fall, they catch the, the friggin' fire that way because like, how dare they? When really it's too overwhelming for us to even prioritize the help that we need. And that's understandable, but that's why it snowballs, right? Because then one schmuck gets one over on you and then you're pissed off from that, you let it go. And then something else happens that you didn't want. And you're like, oh, see, I knew it. And then before you know it, you know, you get in the car and nobody put gas in it from yesterday. God damn it. Then it starts raining. Then you get, you know, like before you know it, you're wearing those flare pants because then all the Gen Z made fun of you for wearing skinny jeans and now it rains and your shit's wet up to your knee. And all before you know it, it's a whole conspiracy as to why your life sucks. When that started out <laughs> with one annoying exchange that day, but it wasn't even the exchange with the other person. What it was, was you tolerating shit. And the feeling that comes with that builds. No, we don't want to tolerate shit anymore. And then our adrenaline does the talking and it doesn't talk to the right person and it doesn't talk about the right thing. It just freaks the fuck out because that's what adrenaline does. It makes you puff your chest and get real mean. So if we're thinking in prevention here, because how many of us have bullshitted about health before and said, why don't people care more about prevention? Why don't doctors try to help us prevent getting sicker before they want to help us, right? This is an example of something we can do to prevent ourselves from getting sicker. We can learn that what we allow, while not easy and something to learn, but what eventually what we allow will bite us in the ass, even if it's against our best intentions. So last thing I'm going to give here in terms of a science reason why this might be, then we're going to talk, I'm going to go back and read the chat. And then we'll wrap up. And I want to continue this in per like in our one-on-ones too. But ADHD, whether, you know, a lot of you guys in here diagnosed already, think you might have it, have some neurodivergent qualities, but not quite sure you fit that whole kind of thing. I get it. It's a nuanced thing. But either way, as human beings, a lot of times we're driven by dopamine. If you have ADHD, you're even more so driven by dopamine. So what happens with this is we don't intentionally not prioritize things that are hard for us. We're not, we're not just shitheads that just want to live this blissful existence of doing what we like only. 
we get, we look like that a lot of times because again, we're very driven by dopamine, but we're not irresponsible, careless people. We tend to care very much. We will just put the thing that we need to prioritize that potentially has a very low dopamine payoff, but potentially has a very high dopamine price. Like we have to expend a ton of dopamine to do it. And we don't even know if we're going to get a whole lot out of it. Inadvertently, our brains will prioritize that last. It will push it to last. It will justify why it's not worth the time, why it's not worth the energy, the possible fight you'll have with someone, the no that you'll receive when you ask for what you need. We find a way to avoid the thing that potentially is a dopamine sucker. How often do you guys see that happening in your day-to-day? In general, you don't want to be that way. Maybe you've heard the eat the frog example with me before and you know, you're like, I shouldn't be doing that, but you do. It's just brains. It's how they work. No one's a shithead, you know? But the thing about that is when you're used to people pleasing and your version of people pleasing is saying yes to people, shutting up when you have an issue with people, shutting up when you need something from somebody and making sure that everybody's having a great time and are thrilled with you. When that's your mode of being and you're like, I don't know how to win at everything, right? We tend to go and we look for the thing that's going to be the easiest dopamine like expenditure with the highest dopamine payout. Because if we're really good at something, maybe something that's harder for others to do, but we're really good at it. We're going to do that thing, even if that's not the most urgent thing at hand, even if that's not the smartest thing in the long run. In the meantime, it's going to make us feel like we're not just sitting there stagnant. So that's going to be the thing we go for, the thing we like, the thing that's easier, the thing we're good at. Because it still makes people happy. You're still giving something. You're still doing something, even if it's not the thing you really need. Now, if you think prioritizing yourself is only for you, that is going to fall to the bottom of your totem pole when it comes to dopamine chasing. But if you start to think about it as every time I do this, every time I assert a boundary, I say no. Every time I don't just go above and beyond because it was asked of me. Um, Every time I ask for help, if I'm stressed and I still need to prioritize my baby steps. Every time you do that, you are literally preventing the dopamine suck. You don't have to do it alone. But if you continue to build and build and build and build and build, you're going to have these meltdowns. You're going to have these blowouts. You're going to be unhappy or feel like you're behind all the time. It's never going to get better. It starts with the work you put in, in stopping the cycle. Don't let the snowball happen. Now I'm not saying go square up with everybody and be like, you know, I got a problem with you, right? Like there is a diplomatic way to approach everything. And there is an efficient way to do that. That gets you what you want in the situation as well. And nobody wants to fight people. Nobody wants to be a stick in the mud and have an issue with everything. But that doesn't mean that you got to be steamrolled and allow other people who are more assertive to call the shots for you either while you sit there and never have a problem with it. So put your ADD, like dopamine search, whatever. Try to find the ways that you can start to just call the shots more. I know it sounds simple, but it's, it's empowering. Every time you say, you know, like, for example... Um, trying to think what story I want to use here. Uh, 
is this someone just said privately is this zoom about you it was sent privately do you mind if i use you as an example i won't say specifics or anything but i think that the okay i'm so excited so a client that i have is works with somebody who's considered a friend now this friend as as it happens with a lot of you guys you start to develop more self-confidence and self-assuredness and everything you start to see maybe there's someone controlling or manipulative in my life like more you start to recognize maybe some older friends are a little narcissistic you know because you start to develop self-worth and that doesn't get along well with people who are narcissistic right so you'll you'll clash more you'll see that so this is starting to happen now they also work with this friend so it was brewing and I said from a while ago, I was like, you need to cut them out. Like, I know that sounds really hard and really harsh, but when it comes to like what you should prioritize for yourself, it's not up to you to finesse and figure out how to work with someone who's not working for you. Like at the very, and you don't have to do this in a mean way, but if, especially if they're a friend, they should understand and validate it. Long story short, it never, like, there's no talking to this person. They never think they're wrong ever. Not the client, the friend. So then they were okay. Like they were on decent enough behavior for a while. So while we knew we had to find somebody else to work with in this role for the future, because it wasn't going to be sustainable with the way they were, it kind of went on and on. And there was a lot that got kind of tolerated because they are who they are at the end of the day. The problems you had with them weren't made up, right? But because of the dopamine output, it's like, that feels so overwhelming to find somebody new, to even talk to them about letting them go, to even going through this, that unintentionally, while knowing it's important, it got backburnered until a blow up happened because this person is who they are at the end of the day. They're, they're not changing. They're going against this, you know, this client's boundaries and what they need. Um, so at the end of the day, it just ended up being more of the same problem that just kept happening with some periods of like decent behavior in between that made it tolerable enough to think not worth that, you know, and inadvertently bottom of the list of things to do. We do that with a lot of things, especially if we're nervous about how to handle them or we're overwhelmed to. If you're facing that, reach out to us. You have somebody who's outside of yourself who can look at it and say, here's what I'm noticing. You know, you have someone who can say, here's some small steps to take. Here's a way to say this to them without seeming like you want to fight them. You know, like you're not, if you've never done this kind of stuff where you've prioritized or asserted boundaries, really like just not normal for you, it's going to feel wrong and feel foreign, but that's like everything that's new and scary. You just don't have to do it alone, you know? Um, but I hope the zoom helped you guys see, and those of you who don't want to hang for the recounting the chat, that's fine. But I hope the zoom helped you see like, if I don't take care of myself, I am not good enough for my family. So me thinking that I'm not good enough for my family, if I take time to take care of myself, it's like the opposite completely. Um, and everyone deserves to learn how to do that because it's not, a, there's a million reasons why that won't be natural. Um, you just, yeah, y'all deserve it. So don't tell yourself, oh, I'm sick. I, I'm just going to not eat all day or I'm sick or I'm, I'm just tired. So I'm not going to take care of myself. Reach out. If you have that thought pop in your head, no, no, unacceptable. That's when you need the help the most. So we're not going to let you off the hook with that. All right. Let's see. All right. We're going to go back in the chat now. Let's see what we got. I think we covered a good amount of this. I had hard. Oh, wait, no, I read that. Horrible mono. That sucks. Okay. 
they're eating berries and vegetables, but they don't get enough protein and they are sick. Oh my God. Yes. So we're talking about like naked and afraid or that show alone. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, um, I see this all the time. I have clients who are like, I ate some, uh, I had a protein shake for breakfast. I had a salad for lunch. And then I came home and I had like a sandwich and rigatoni. And like, then I had a cake after dinner and all this. And like, they're mad at themselves. And I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with that because your body forced you to feed yourself. Like you're not supposed to live on lettuce all day. Like I'm naked and afraid and shit. Like they get so annoyed when they find like berries and mushrooms and stuff to eat because they're like, great, but I'm still starving. Like I need food. And we lose track of that. We've gotten so into the idea of like a salad being a meal. Mm -hmm. Even vegans add protein and shit to their day. You know, like it's not, we're not supposed to sustain on lettuce. That's just like what's some weird, you know, diet culture thing back in the day, you know, just have a salad. Obviously that's not working for us anymore, right? It didn't work for them either. How many of like the people that grew up in the era where it's like eat an apple during the day and like a salad, like they hit a certain age and they just started gaining weight and having health issues. I wonder why. So, um, I have to deliberately make sure I take my breaks at work too. Yes, it's important. It's not laziness. I hate that about work culture. I hate it that you have to sit there and just be fingers on the keyboard constantly, communicating constantly, working constantly. Like, we're not meant to be like that. Like, breaks are not a bad thing. Like, rest, relaxing is not a bad thing. Some cultures where they live to be over 100 years old, relaxation is the one thing they have consistently, you know? So it's crazy. Um. Yeah, I could talk about that experiment that I was talking to Juliana. We had our coaching call right before this and like our uh, training call right before this. And um, I mentioned that experiment because that is what kicked off my process of doing of creating CCA. I made it because of that experiment. It was so mind blowing to me to see them know the results of what limiting calories and starvation and food rationing of what that does to our brains, our metabolisms, everything. We're all so screwed because of that. Who knows what our bodies and health would be like if we never started that one diet. That's something that haunts me all the time. So my teachings, I try to, I want to get ahead of that. You know, the the Minnesota experiment happened to grown men. I can't tell you how many people I talked to tell me they were eight years old the first time they, they hated their body and wanted to diet. You know, so if that had life altering, lasting effect on grown men at that age, can you imagine exposing children to that? Who knows the trajectory of their lives and bodies based on that? How much of it had to do with that? Crazy. So, um, they get Betty the bitch. (laughs) I love that so much. I love the names. And then nasty Jenny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I call it Medusa. I'll never forget the time I had a meltdown. I had just gotten a pitcher, like an antique pitcher, it like with eight glasses, really beautiful. My God, I'm I'm just gonna get one of the glasses and show you because it's that pretty. Hold on, hold the phone. Apologize to everyone listening to the recording, but worth it. If you want to peek back on those YouTube and watch it, look at this beautiful glass. Like this is from like the friggin' twenties. 
it's like a hobnail glass, but it's like, oh my God, I just, I'm obsessed, right? So, so excited. Been around for a hundred years, right? Survived world wars. Um, I get, a, and it, by the way, the picture was the same as that glass. And it was like big round. It had like a frilly, beautiful edge to it. And like, I have seen these in pictures, but I've never found a full set. So I got it for a steal too at an estate sale brought it home, had some kind of like adrenal meltdown and just shoved all the shit on my bed off of it. I think, I think that's what kicked it off. I was like this fucking mess. And I just pushed it all off onto the floor, not knowing the bag that had the pitcher and the glasses in it was on the bed. Cause I didn't even have a split second to think and be like, don't do that. You're going to have to clean that up. <laughs> so like, I was so upset. I'm like, I'm never going to find this again. Oh, it was the worst. It lasted a hundred years and survived world wars and didn't make it 10 hours in my house. Betty, the bitch. That was so funny. <laughs> I love it. Krabby Chrissy. Ah, love it. So let's see. Yesterday I was waiting for double in and out and then got to the point. My blood sugar was dropping for putting everyone first because time-wise I had to move my plans around. Yeah. You know, um, and not how many times I've had to be late somewhere because I had to take care of, cause I have you know, diabetes, like I'm running a low blood sugar. I'm not going to jeopardize my life. Like I'm going to wait, drink my juice. And when I can leave, I can leave. And if I'm there late, I'm there a little late, you know? Um, same thing with food. If you're, everybody else wants to go to a restaurant that you can't eat anything at, should you just have to sit there and watch everybody else eat the entire time? And your option is be sick or be left out. Like there's if you care about your friends enough that if one of them said, I cannot eat anything at this place without getting sick, would you look at your friend and be like, tough shit, I want to eat there. So, and I'm not saying that maybe your friend won't be like that, but then maybe that's something for you to look at on how much you include them in your life. Cause that's a shitty friend. And I don't know them, so I can say that. So, um, just dealt with it yesterday when I snapped and I looked like the a-hole. That's the hardest thing because we're all, our feelings are always valid, but when it's our adrenaline speaking for us, it never speaks for us in the way we want it to. You know, that's the hardest part is that at the same time, I'm telling you absolutely make it known to somebody. If you have a frustrating exchange with them and it's going to build up, you should find a nicer way to like bring that up. But at the same time, like, when we let adrenaline do that for us, that's the slippery slope because it's not the voice we want to have, no matter how valid and correct our point is, you know, um, it's hard for other people to kind of, even not like that person who probably had no desire to know what your point was, but with loved ones at home, it makes it hard for them to even know what it is we're really upset about. If all we're doing is reacting and being, you know, aggressive, even though it's chemical. Um, Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Children's book, but phenomenal. I have never read it or I've always thought the name was like the coolest and something I would ever always get wrong. It's like, what's that show on Netflix? Um, salt, fat, acid, heat. I probably still screwed it up, but I've heard of the book. I think it was a movie too, right? Uh, I'll gas myself up like today is the day I'm going to set boundaries. And then as soon as the situation comes, I'll just do whatever the other person wants because I literally crave approval. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. 
So I think the thing to think of with yourself is to ask yourself why it's a, why what you're asking for would be bad if someone asked you for that. So I would phrase like put like create it in your head of what you're going to ask for or what your boundary is going to be. Take away any emotion, take away any explanation and just look at the boundary and then say, if somebody kindly phrased this to me and asked for this boundary, would I be mad at them? And if you're going to say no, then do it. It's all in the delivery and what you're asking for. You're not trying to put anyone out. Right. And there is a finesse to this. So definitely, especially in work situations matters, like text me, talk to me about specifics. Cause I can help you with it. It's my favorite. So So because we, because people look for dopamine from us and when we set boundaries, we take away that release from them. Yes. Not only that, if somebody at, let's say in a work environment, if someone is piling their mundane work on you or their challenging work on you, and you typically historically take that on and make it your priority, the dopamine they get from checking it off their list is what continues to keep them dumping shit on your lap. They're not going to be so grateful for all of the work you do for them one day that they're going to decide to take that off your plate. They're going to think you probably have no problem with it works out for the both of us. And then it continues. So absolutely people don't like it when we, when we make them have to expend that dopamine again. I would love to hear your thoughts on when someone uses boundaries as a means of gaslighting. Hmm. Like when you call out their bad behavior or hold them accountable, and then they use boundaries as an excuse for being shitty. Um, I didn't even, I just saw your next, another message about Sammy in the background. I didn't even know he was back. Look at him. <laughs> so um, can you give me an example, a little more specifics about like when you call out their bad behavior or hold them accountable and they use boundaries as an excuse for being shitty? Do you mean like if they took the day off or whatever, but you're like, holding them accountable and like you're on a time frame or something um my mom you feel stressed out maybe have a banana and sit outside great all my problems are solved <laughs> yep take a deep breath calm down think positive drink some water even though we're probably dehydrated and should So, okay, I think about, I think talking about how if I don't take care of myself, it'll affect people around me too is really helpful to my guilt brain because every time I get angry at my kid, I feel so bad and obsess over it. Like, I feel like I'm mean to her, but I don't think she'd say that. And the truth is I'm just stressed and I need to address that. I always genuinely apologize instantly, but I obsess over how I felt I treated her. Absolutely. Um, and this, I've definitely felt that way about blowing up at Nick before, you know, or even if I'm just snippier with Nick, um, or if I'm just like not very fun to be around, I've definitely been that way to friends before. And even if they don't care that much, cause they can realize why it still hurts because you did not want to do that to, to that person. You care about them, you know, and it's not your own voice that you're able to use to represent yourself the way you want hard. Creating boundaries at work made me better at my job. Um, and then I'm going to read many more. Okay, I'm going to read these next couple messages and then we're going to wrap it up. But I want to continue in the general chat or through our texts. Okay. 
So creating boundaries at work made me better at my job. I only talk to clients between 1.30 and 4. I don't work past 5. I don't work on weekends. It's all still going to be there tomorrow and it will all be fine. Yeah. And I'm sure it was really nerve wracking at first. Like the first time you did that, I'm sure it was scary to think like, well, what if someone going to call me out on it? Is there going to be an emergency? And the more that you see that that doesn't happen, the easier it feels to let people be responsible for themselves more, you know, where like, or just understand that things take time and that it's not because you're inept that they're taking time, but because you're rather busy that they're taking time, you know? Um, so I think it just gets easier the more you do it, even if at first it's a little bit nerve wracking, what could go wrong, you know? Okay. So then I got a couple of uh, private messages here. So specifically the photographer situation. Okay. So the person, the client of mine who works with their friend. So she took two weeks to not do shit. But then when I checked in about the photos, I was crossing her boundaries because she went out of town. She's done this a lot. And I know it's the person, but because I care about people's boundaries, I have a hard time navigating that conversation. So I think that the, the difference is boundaries versus expectations. If the expectations were set that you were supposed to get something or be communicated with in some way, and in the meantime, somebody else has decided to travel out of town, which you're not going to know through osmosis or unless you're linked up to their Google calendar, you're not going to know their personal life. So if they decide to go out of town and extend that expectation of the deadline that they had originally and don't voice that, and they're talking to you on their day off because of something they screwed up with, and then they decide to work on their day off because they screwed up. That is not your fault. That is a manipulation tactic to get you to feel bad for having any specifics. You don't let people decide what you mean by your expectations. You know, and I know you have documented stuff, you have documented, you know, but try if you do, I know you're not planning on continuing to work with this person, but if it was somebody who you wanted to continue working with, you might want to think about what could I have written out as a policy? That is a side, I don't have to tell them. I just send it to them. That's my spiel. So if they're not meeting these expectations that they agreed to, then I am allowed to uphold my boundary and what I expect in return for our services. So it, it's certain narcissists have caught on to the buzzwords, right? And like, that's the hardest part too, is they'll try to turn it back around on you. I'd be like, you're the narcissist, you know, or you're not caring about my time off. It's just bullshit. Just ask for what you need and know that this person just doesn't care about what you say. Just get what you can and get them out of your life. You know, um, I think the best way to handle a conversation with someone that you really have to navigate a conversation with is to limit how many conversations you have to have with them. Because if you need to know how to navigate a conversation smartly with someone, they're trying to figure out how to, you're wrong. Like they're not listening. It's not a convo. It's just a, they don't want to be wrong. And that's not, it's just wasted energy on your part. Um, there's nothing wrong with throwing your hands up and being like, I don't know, they're a fucking anomaly. I don't feel like dealing with them anymore. You know, but you know, you can't, you don't feel, you don't think like her. So it will be so hard to even try to rationalize how she might be thinking. I've done this a lot and I know it's this person, but, oh, I read that already. Yeah. You know, I think that that's really tough. Um, temptation to read these hold on 
when I hear Ashley's question, I think of my mother-in-law. I've sent plenty of boundaries surrounding that woman and she sets boundaries back. They often aren't real boundaries and they end up hurting her more than it does me. She sets her boundaries. I'm like, cool, lest I have to deal with your insane ass. Yeah, I mean, have you heard the phrase like, you know, uh, what is it? Cutting off your nose to spite your face. People lose their shit when you tell them no sometimes. And like, okay, make your life harder because you think that's punishing me somehow, you know? It's just... People are, a, there's a lot of reasons they are the way they are. It's not our job to decipher, you know, it's just our job to not be taken out by it. I've had friends completely ghost me and abandon our friendship without any explanation then come back around like nothing happened and then say they needed space and that was their boundary when really they did something shitty and didn't want to face it or discuss it. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard thing. And here's the, the best comeback to the boundary thing. Okay, those are your boundaries. Uh, my boundaries are such and such. How can we find a way to make sure that we're both feeling served? You don't have to discredit, discredit any of their boundaries, but they don't get to discredit yours. So if you're meeting with, if they have their boundaries, you have their your boundaries, and you say, if it is a relationship you want to continue with, you're like, how can we find a way to make sure we're both being served? Um if they're not interested in continuing to build on the relationship and make it better, they just want to use that boundary as a retaliation. They're not going to give you anything good back to that response. But if they do care, maybe it helps, you know? Um, last one here. Her specific message, by the way, you expect your clients to abide by your boundaries and you're not applying that to our professional relationship. You haven't asked me anything because you've been off work sick. You could have checked in. It still hasn't been two weeks yet. I'm still getting you your photos before most photographers would. So like I said, please, I, I would have your stuff for you tomorrow. Please respect that. But what was your original agreement? Don't, don't I know your original agreement. It just drives me nuts. Like, what is she talking about? You weren't even off, but anyway, people just don't, she didn't give a shit about what you had to say or what your feelings were, you know? She just was trying to make you feel bad for holding her accountable. And that's not worth the energy. You just laugh those people off and be like, man, that, good luck with that. <laughs> and just try to carry on with your own peace. So I know we went over, I kind of love having the extended chat um, about, about the chat. Um, but I hope that this was helpful and I hope you guys didn't feel like it was dragging at all. Um, text me, tell me your thoughts, keep this convo going, but I hope you think about this throughout the rest of the week. Don't feel bad. Every time you prioritize yourself, it trickles on down. It's a good thing for the people you love. All right. So good night, everybody. I'll talk to you soon.